Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Fairmount Plus. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 241, and today we are talking about books being released on January 7th, 2020, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, hello. That was that was hard for me. Like, it's our first episode of the year. <laughs> 2020, it's like, it's fewer syllables, and it sounded wrong when I said it out loud. I was like, that's not how you say that at all. <laughs> but it is. Yeah, and we're recording this in the middle of December, so time is all weird. Wibbly wobbly. Yes, it that is weird to hear 2020. It also sounds really futuristic. Yeah. Like, are we going to get our Jetsons hover cars in 2020? Right? But I just saw something on Twitter yesterday that said the Jetsons takes place in 2062. Oh. So everyone should stop their whining. Because we got <laughs> oh, another man. 42 years. 42, the answer to everything. While we're going down this rabbit hole, I saw a tweet that said something like, um, that 70s show aired in... I think it came on in 1998 and it was set in 1976 or something like that. Um, and so if we were to, or it started in 1968, maybe. So if we were to start a show of the same idea today, it would be set in 1997. It's so funny. <laughs> it's like, wow. Okay. The oldies show takes place when I'm 15. <laughs> yeah. There was a, that's 80s show, I think, but I didn't watch it. I don't think it lasted very long. No one was ready for the 80s. Yeah. I could be into a 90s, like a deeply 90s sitcom, um, but yeah. that was a real eye-opener about you know, the actual passing of time and that 1995 yeah. was not ten, 10 years ago like it feels like it was. Yeah. I've been getting a lot of surprises like that. I've been watching a lot of old science fiction and realizing like a lot of it has taken place like in the end of the 20th century and not like when I was a like, small child like I thought. Like I started watching the Stargate shows and I'm like, these are not that old <laughs> i mean some of it's mm. very old like you know but you can tell from the content but like it's just like oh i thought this was like when i was a kid it's not but i've just been enjoying so much science fiction lately it's really great um I i've been missing that like drama of like sci-fi shows like they have a certain cadence to them where it's like mm. we're going somewhere are we going to make it are we going to be able to get back swelling music uh, thing, thing coming back with us. Like every show is almost exactly the same and like sort of ridiculous. Like I've been watching SG1 and it's like, it's always like, uh, you know, go to a new planet where they don't allow women to talk or speak or do anything. And the one woman person in the group is like, I think we should go back. And the men are always like, nah, it's fine. And then she gets kidnapped and it's like, yeah, see, <laughs> like every time. Uh, I am almost finished with the Dickinson show on Ooh. Apple TV plus and it is bonkers and super fun. I want to see that too. Yeah, it's weird and great. I love it. Let's talk about some books from the future. Yes, we're going to do that. Uh, before we do that, we're going to pause for a, for I almost said a station identification, but that's that's not correct. I'm just getting <laughs> excited. Uh, we're going to pause for a word from our sponsor. 
Today's episode is brought to you by National Geographic Books. The Cave is the incredible memoir of Imani Balur, a young doctor and activist who ran an underground hospital in Damascus, humanizing the enduring crisis in Syria. The only woman to have ever run a wartime hospital in Syria, she saved many from the atrocities of war while having to face the patriarchal conservatism around her. Amani Balor is a game changer. Listen, she will be remembered as one of history's greatest. She's a passionately committed humanitarian, and she is determined to help others escape the horrors that she survived. Make sure to pick up the memoir, The Cave by Amani Balor and Rania Abuzaid, for a memoir that expands on the 2019 Oscar-nominated film by the same name, which documents her experience running the hospital, shielding children from horrific sarin attack, losing colleagues, trying to employ more women in the hospital, and eventually leaving and becoming a refugee. So make sure to read about this amazing woman. And thanks again to National Geographic Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Entangled Publishing's Red Tower Books, publisher of the smash hit Fourth Wing. So this book I'm about to tell you about might be the next book talk, darling. It's a high octane fantasy adventure filled with risk, romance, action, and sweet vengeance. In it, there are five liars who have five agendas, but only one target. So in Five Broken Blades from author Mae Corlin, the five most dangerous liars in the land have been mysteriously summoned to work together for a single objective, which is to kill the cruel God King June. Each has tasted bitterness from the hired hitman seeking atonement to the lovely assassin dreaming of freedom to even the prince exiled for his own crimes. This is a high stakes game of treachery where the vengeance is sweet. The secrets are delicious and each page deepens a journey that will keep you guessing until the very end. This also has themes of friendship, found family. You got a little bit of everything in this. Make sure to check out Five Broken Blades and thanks again to Entangled Publishing's Red Tower Books, publisher of the smash hit Fourth Wing for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so yes, my first book of 2020 is from the future. Well, it's not actually, no, it's not from the future. It's about the future. That would be cool if it was from the future. Oh, I just spoiled the surprise. (laughs) It is not from the future. Well, it might be. But anyway, it's called Quality Land by Mark Uwe Kling. It is a huge hit in Germany and is now available here in the States. Kira Jane Buxton, who wrote The Hollow Kingdom, one of my very favorite books of 2019, uh, recommended this book. So, of course, I immediately had to have it. Uh, and it is about Quality Land, which is a place that has been sort of formed for people who want a better place. Like, it, the world is trash and they've decided, like, they need a really great place for people um, it's the best place. It's quality land. And so citizens are allowed to be there and they're sort of ranked based on all kinds of horrible things, including, um, their, their looks. And it's, cause it's a dystopia. It's a dystopia. You know, it's like a terrible place, really. Um, but, and the people who live there are no longer given, like, the surnames that they have. Like, now everyone has a name. Uh, you have your father's profession if you're a man, and you're a woman. You're, if you're a woman, you have your mother's profession for a last name. So, Rebecca, like, uh, what did does or did your mother do for work? Uh, my mom was an X-ray technician. Okay, so you would be Rebecca, X-ray technician, <laughs> and I would be Liberty Beelzebub. Oh wait, no, that's my dad. Uh, I would be Liberty <laughs> Librarian. Which is kind of awesome. Well, that seems appropriate. Yeah, I'm kind of into that. Um, and so you live in this place, and uh, there's a company called The Shop. And you can guess. You can just guess uh, from context who that is. Uh, they predict your needs based on your conscious or subconscious thoughts. Uh, things just show up at your house with a drone. 
because you thought about it or didn't realize that you were thinking about it. Um, and they, the entire co- the country is built on algorithms. And so it doesn't, you know, always, it doesn't go well for the people who are, you know, ra- ranked lower, of course. Um, and so the main character in this book is Peter Jobless because there was a whole, uh, there was an economic downturn and there were all these people who were unemployed. So now Peter is Peter Jobless. Um, he is a machine scrapper. He has a, a shop where he uh, gets rid of uh, machines that don't work quite right, you know, imp- imperfections and things. However, he kind of likes machines and he's not really like, getting rid of a lot of them. He can't bring himself to destroy a lot of this stuff. So now he has kind of this robot misfit army running things in his shop. Um, he also has an assistant named Nobody, which makes the book very funny because, you know, it's like nobody called a car. Nobody called to get a reservation at a restaurant. Nobody did this. Nobody did that. So it makes it really funny. Um, and then one day he gets something that he does not want. Like he is 100% sure there is no way he ever thought or subconsciously thought of this thing. And so he's going to return it to the shop. Only nobody goes against the shop. They know and do all. Like, how dare? So he's going to cause a lot of trouble because, you know, he's a giant megalomaniac corporation, you know, guy who works in a machine shop. Um, it's an amazing dystopian satire in the vein of, like, Douglas Adams or Kurt Vonnegut. There's a ton of literary references. It also reminded me a lot of Prey of the Gods by Nikki Drayden with the robots and the, you know, nobody ever thinks the future is going to be good <laughs> because it's not. Um there's also some really fun fake ads in between the the chapters about his story. Like a couple are like, you know, this is really great and you really want this. Warning may cause, you know, prolonged horrible death, but it's fun while you have it. It's just like silly stuff like that. Um and and like some other things like there's a reality star, a very wealthy reality star <coughs> who's the president uh <laughs> running up against the for android for the first time. Um and it it's so much fun. There's another book out today that is about the future and consumerism and is a dystopian novel that's also excellent. It's called The Heap by Sean Adams. I didn't think, you know, I could talk about both of them today because uh, there's so many other things to discuss, but I also really enjoyed that one. Uh, so this one is Quality Land. It's by Mark Uwe Kling. All right. Um, my first pick this week is Why We Can't Sleep, Women's New Midlife Crisis by Ada Calhoun. She wrote um, one of my favorite books of, uh, it was either 2017 or 2018, called Wedding Toasts I'll Never Give. And this is exactly what the subtitle says it is. When she was herself going through a midlife crisis that she didn't feel like she was allowed to have because she has a good career and a happy family and her children were healthy, she started digging into like, so what's going on? Like, literally, why can't I sleep? Why am I not feeling like fulfilled and happy with my life? And she decided to start looking for answers, both in terms of doing a lot of research, but also in uh, traveling around the country and talking to women uh, who are members of Generation X in their 40s and 50s now about their experiences. And what she found was that she was far from alone in not just having a midlife crisis, but in the shape that it's taking. Uh, And essentially, like the pattern boils down to the fact that the women of Generation X were the first ones who lived their entire lives with access to the kinds of opportunities that second wave feminism opened up for them, that they were the first generation of women to grow up with like, you can do it all, you can have it all, you can pursue the same kinds of careers that men can pursue. Um, But of course, when they got access to all of these new opportunities, our society did not modify itself in any way to support women in 
taking those opportunities or to take off some of the other responsibilities that women have, especially in the home and with childcare. So they're trying to do all of the things in addition to being sandwiched between the boomer generation and then raising millennials. So their parents are aging, they're caring for them, their children are teenagers, and in their 20s, they're still dealing with those problems. And it's very, very difficult. Um, Calhoun finds that like most of these women are just exhausted, no matter how great their jobs are, how great how great their partnerships are, their friendships, like they're feeling just under satisfied and overwhelmed and not sure how to get time for themselves or what would make them like what would actually make them happy. And so she she digs in. Each chapter of the book is about um, a specific thing like housing cost, dealing with debt, raising children, um, credit card situations, the balance between work and like career stuff and family stuff. And they she talks to researchers and experts and then also just normal women talking about their lives, which is still revolutionary just to tell the story of women's lives. And she presents a diverse array of perspectives. I'm a little bit younger than the women that she's talking about in this book. I'm like an old millennial. Um, but I, in my late 30s, relate to a lot of the same kinds of challenges that these women are talking about. And it's an interesting, I don't know, for me, it was an interesting exercise in understanding women who are older than I am and who have experienced a different kind of um, feminism, perhaps, than I have, or different outcomes of feminism and cultural change than I have, but also as a prompt to think about maybe how to start to plan for my own midlife. I think if you are a woman or you love someone who is a woman and is going to go through this um, this time of life, reading this book is great. Um, she also goes into talking about menopause and talking about parts of women's experiences biologically and sexually that are just pretty silenced culturally and how these are normal things that happen to most women um, that we should be able to talk about so that they are less difficult and less secretive. Um, I just really appreciated turning attention uh, in this particular way to this issue. I really love Ada Calhoun's writing and the way that she's able to tell her own stories alongside um, bigger cultural pictures. So that's why we can't sleep women's new midlife crisis. So I'm a terrible sleeper. As you know, I am aware <laughs> this last year uh, I've been getting sleep when I don't want it and also staying awake when I should be sleeping. Um, and I have decided I'm going to stop fighting it. You know, I just I, I don't like sleeping. <laughs> I hate it. It's time. That's time I could be reading. But I've been trying to stop fighting it. But I was still having trouble sleeping. Uh, and then you assigned me a piece on like books about how to get better sleep. And then that I was like, oh, now I'm going to die. <laughs> uh, and kept reading about that. And I was like, yep, this is so bad. So I was like, I need to get more sleep. So I bought a weighted blanket because I had heard mm. that they were very good for like anxiety and treating mm -hmm. all kinds of things. Like if you have sleep problems, uh, since then I, I put it, I go under the covers. I do not wake up until I am ready to wake up. It's amazing. 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 It's like, I'm like a bird in a cage. Like someone put the blanket over my cage and I'm just like, hello. <laughs> And I don't wake up. It's Powering incredible. Down. Yeah. So I bought like I bought a second one to like use on the couch, like when I'm out there reading. And then the other day I put them both on the bed at the same time and got underneath <laughs> and it was hilarious. I felt like the princess in the pea, in which I was the pea. Um so if you have trouble sleeping, I highly recommend checking one out. Um they are quite miraculous. Awesome. I'm glad you're sleeping and now you're not you're, I you're not am. gonna explode. 
Yeah, because, I mean, I just would wake up every few minutes being like, I have stuff I need to do. Uh, what is that noise the cat is making? You know, what is that? You know, I need to go clean that cat puke up. And now I'm just like, oh, just forget it until the morning. It's fine. I'm asleep. Yeah. So, Wonderful. But I like it. Uh, now moving on to something completely different. Uh, my next pick is an amazing memoir called The Magical Language of Others by E.J. Coe. It is just so beautiful. E.J. Coe is a poet. I am uh, sad to say I have not read her poetry, but I know she has won many awards. She's She is just an incredible writer. Uh, so it's written in part in letters that she received from her mother. Um, her parents immigrated to the United States from South Korea before she was born. Uh, her brother had been born. He was like four, I think. Uh, and they moved to the United States. Um, she mentions this amazing thing that in Korea, there is a saying that you are born the parents of the one you hurt most. So like in your la last life, like whoever you hurt the most is going to be the child and do the same back to you, which I think is a really like, amazing, amazing saying. Um, and so her dad gets a job. He works in Silicon Valley. Um, and actually makes a ton of money, uh, and they buy a really nice house, and things are going really well. But then he gets an offer uh, to move back to South Korea to work for this company that, like, he does not think he can refuse. It's, like, a, an insane amount of money, like an embarrassment of riches, vacation, cars, all this stuff. Um, but her parents move and leave her in California with her brother. So she's 15 years old, and all of a sudden her parents are gone. And she was she was close with her mother, and all of a sudden her mother's been ripped from her life when she needs her the most. Um, and her mother writes her these letters. You know, she she talks about how guilty she feels for leaving her behind, and and she's having a really hard time of it. And she talks about like what that feels like, you know, to suddenly be like without parents, you know, as a teenager. Um, and she starts looking to not just you know reading about mothers, but she also starts looking into the lives of both of her grandmothers, and she learns a lot about like trauma and war and the hardships that they experience, you know, and what intergenerational trauma can do to a person. Uh, and she talks about, um, you know, because like her mother, you know, it, you, you kind of feel bad because you can tell her mother it, like feels really guilty, but her mother also does not come back. Like she, she stays there with her father and does not come back for her. Um, but like she's had troubles of her own. There's this terrible thing at the beginning where she, she talks about how when she was born, her mother, she was 10 pounds and it injured her mother greatly. But her mother got up and went to her job that afternoon because she was afraid of losing her job. Uh, and, and it's oh, just, man. It's just like, wow. You know, but that is the kind of like world that we live in where, you know, people do that kind of thing all the time. It's just terrible. But, it, you know, so you get to see uh, – read her mother's letters, but she also uh, has them printed in the Korean. And so it's just a beautiful book to look at. Um, and it's just so raw. I You know, I – always feel silly when I use that word, but I feel like it really applies. Like, it's just a great look at, you know, the relationship between mothers and daughters and, you know, loss. It is The Magical Language of Others, and it's by E.J. Co. All right. That sounds really amazing. So good. We're all over the board today. Yeah. <laughs> um, my next one is called Topics of Conversation by Miranda Popkey. I have seen this build as the 2020 book for people who loved normal people in 2019. I have not read normal people, so I can't say for sure. Um, this is a like fast moving, it's a very compelling novel that's about, I think essentially about desire, womanhood, and like the gray areas of 
sexuality and relationships. Um, the We know that we have a female narrator. We don't know her name. Um, and the book moves through 20 years of her life in, in different vignettes. And so we get like, you know, January 15th, 1997. Um, I'm, you know, making days up right now. And then it gives us a snapshot of a conversation that she was having. Um, each vignette or most of the vignettes is, um, are a conversation that the narrator has with another woman or a group of women about relationship sex desire in some capacity. Um, and there's a trigger warning for this. Um, the narrator and some of the characters do discuss, uh, several different types of, uh, sexual assault and sexual violence. Um, and it's right on the page. So FYI, if you're going into this. Um, so she, I think that the, this woman is trying to present like the character and perhaps Miranda Popke is trying to present the like spectrum of sexual experiences and spectrum of desire and also disgust and like the lack of desire and beauty and pain. Um, and sort of all of these shades of experience that. Uh, that women have, um, particularly in their relationships and in their sexuality, um, and to do it through the lens of these fictional conversations that the characters are having with each other about experiences that they've had. And some of them are great experiences that make them feel alive and connected. And some of them, as mentioned in the trigger warning, are really awful experiences. Some of them really live in the gray areas of having like an upsetting interaction um, with a partner that was an action that wasn't like specifically discussed or consented to, but they've been um, partners for a while. And how do you have a conversation when like parts of sex are spontaneous? It's um, challenging and thought provoking. I'm really interested in what the conversation around it is going to be. Like I I did not agree with these characters 100% of the time. I don't think you need to agree with fictional characters 100% of the time. But there are some concepts uh, in these women's lives on the page. And some I think I keep saying gray areas, but I think that's really a lot of what this book is doing is looking at gray areas, looking at nuance, looking at the places that we haven't quite gone in the cultural conversation, as Me Too has developed, and as our understanding of consent is changing, uh, and evolving. And um, how do you balance the ideals around those with the sort of a, with the nuanced parts of interpersonal interactions and communication. Um, it's really interesting. I think there's some challenging stuff in it. Um, I'm not sure that I loved the book, but I'm recommending it because I think there's a lot to talk about. Uh, so that's Topics of Conversation by Miranda Popke. All right. My next pick is Clean Getaway by Nick Stone. Nick Stone has been very busy. Several books, uh, you know, last year and coming out this in, this year. I say this year and then it confuses me because it's not this year. It's next year, but for <laughs> intents and purposes, it's this year. Uh, next one wrote Dear Martin. Um, this one, I believe, is her first middle grade novel. I could be wrong, but I think it's her first middle grade novel. Um, and it's so wonderful. It's sort of like in the tradition of Jason Reynolds. It's about an 11-year-old boy named William, although he is called Scoob, like Scoobadoo. Scoob. And Scoob has been suspended from school. He has gotten into some trouble. And now his overbearing father 
is very upset with him. Things are not going great at home. And Grandma shows up one day in an RV and says, going on a road trip, let's go. And so he decides, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm 11. I'm suspended. My dad's mad at me. Why not get in an RV with an elderly woman and drive around the country? So he takes off with his grandma, doesn't tell his dad that he's leaving, just goes. Um, now, grandma is awesome. She is so full of life and energy and sass, and she's really funny. Uh, and you know, she talks about, like... What she's been on this road trip before, um, you know, Scoop sees this as an opportunity to learn about his dad, uh, and about his granddad, who he didn't know, um, because his grandmother took this this trip, like I said before, with them. She even gives Scoop like the green book that they carried when they were driving through the segregated South, uh, and so they're going like on this trip down memory lane, um, but. And it was very different back then because um, his grandmother is white and his grandfather was black. And, of course, like I said, they were driving to the segregated South. It's, this is really like a really great book to teach children about racism and the segregation and the history of that in uh, that time period. Um, of course, you know, we're going to have to teach them about this time period, you know, down the road. But uh, for now, mm -hmm. uh, this history. Um, so grandma's like going down memory lane, except she's not exactly remembering everything and she's not as the trip progreeds uh, proceeds <laughs> she <laughs> isn't really acting like herself anymore and she's having some issues so scoob has to decide like is this the end of the line for them like should he call his dad and say you know come get us you know grandma's you know having a hard time you know like how mad is he going to stay at his father before he realizes that like something needs to happen here with grandma it's a wonderful sweet novel about love and racism and the challenges you know faced like i said she, uh you know they they were um in love you know at a time when it was unacceptable the grandmother and the grandfather um it's a it's a sweet novel about age you know and like elderly kids don't get a lot of books about the elderly and like how to deal with them so it's just so sweet it's called clean getaway and it's by nick stone now it's time for our sponsor Today's episode is brought to you by Daughter of the Bone Forest by Jasmine Skye. Bone familiar Rosie spends most of her days in the Bone Forest, hiding her powers to avoid conscription by the Witch King's army. But when she saves the life of Princess Shaw, she's offered the chance to attend the prestigious school Witch Hall. And at Witch Hall, Rosie finds herself embroiled in political games she doesn't understand. Shaw wants Rosie as a partner to help lead the coming war. Meanwhile, all Rosie wants is to stay out of trouble but she can't really deny her attraction to Shaw. So the question is, will Rosie give in to her destiny or will the Bone Forest call her home once and for all? Daughter of the Bone Forest by Jasmine Skye is for all the magic school lovers. This immersive magic school is full of witches and familiars. It's also a queer normative fantasy world with a sapphic slow burn romance like we love. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Daughter of the Bone Forest by Jasmine Skye for sponsoring this episode. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now it's time for your book, which I love this cover. Just love it. 
It's this is a great cover and a great book. Um, it's called Fox Your Diet and Other Things My Thighs Tell Me by Chloe Hilliard. Of course, Fox is actually the F word in the title. Um, this is really terrific. And I think I would have missed it if you hadn't pointed it out to me. So I'm really glad that I read it. Um, Chloe Hilliard was a girl who when she was growing up, and this was still a thing that people said. I think they say it now still too, unfortunately, but it was more common a, a couple decades ago. People would remark that she was a big girl. Uh, she And she was tall. She was six feet tall by the time that she was 12. Um, she wore a size 12 by then as well um, in both her shoes and her dresses. So like legitimately big for her age, um, but also being a black girl in the mostly Hasidic Jewish neighborhood that she lived in in Brooklyn, um, she stood out in a lot of ways. And her size was the thing that kids latched onto and made fun of her for. And she felt bad for it because that's what our culture does is body shame people who don't fit the ideal. Um, for most of her, you know, first couple decades of life, she thought that it was her fault, um, that she was fat, that she should feel bad about herself. She tried fad diets. She did all the weird workouts. And then something clicked where she realized that it's not just a person's individual actions that impact their size, their weight, their appearance, their health, but all of the government policies and corporate capitalism and like legit conspiracies between corporations and the government um, that affect how what food is available to people, how food is marketed, which foods especially are available like in school cafeterias. If you really want to be outraged, go read a couple of essays about that. There's a great one in the 2018 Best American Food Writing that will just blow the top of your head off um, about how different kinds of food and different nutritional requirements get approved by the government to be in schools. And it's largely the result of lobbying. Um, completely maddening. But she starts learning these things and she realizes like, oh, yeah, this is not me. It's that I live in a really screwed up system. Uh, and so the book is a really funny collection of essays and stories from her childhood and her life about these things, but also that expose these government conspiracies, basically, and cultural issues. And then she she also pokes fun at herself. Um, she pokes fun at the experience of trying some of the wackier uh, diets and workouts. And also talks about how she came to understand these things as absurd and to understand that there's a lot more to being a valuable person than to being the perfect weight um, and to, like, you know, coming to a good sense of self-worth. It's really validating. It's really funny. I think that she does a thing that's pretty difficult to do, which is talk about these very important issues and truly maddening, troubling things that need to change um, in a way that is just humorous enough that you can take like the very pointed commentary and walk away feeling like, this thing needs to change, and I'm going to try to do what I can about it without it seeming too preachy. Um, she's threaded that needle really nicely. It was just really fun to read. Um, I did not get to do the audio experience since I read a galley, but I would guess that this would be really, really fun on audio as well. So that's Fox Your Diet and Other Things My Thighs Tell Me by Chloe Hilliard. All right. My last pick also has an excellent cover, although it does not have a lady in a popcorn bra. Like your last one. Well, <laughs> it's hard to beat. But, you know, it's still quite beautiful. It is The Black Cathedral by Marcial Gala and translated by Anna Kushner. 
It is the English language debut of a very well-known Cuban writer who is apparently burning up the pages over there, and now we get to read them. It is about the Stewart family. They move into a small neighborhood on the coast of Cuba, and the father of this family is Arturo. He is a preacher. He is very into his job. He has all kinds of visions and thoughts, and he is on a mission from God. We're on a mission from God. Um, and God has told him that he needs to build a temple bigger and more beautiful and more amazing than any temple that has ever been seen. Uh, and so that is that is what he is there to do uh, and starts building this temple. And the story kind of takes place uh, like literally and figuratively in the shadow of this this cathedral that is being built. Um, and it's told in the the way of an oral history, which makes it really interesting and fun. A lot of the neighborhood people talk about like when they arrive and like what's going on and you know, what is he doing? And there's a, there's a couple of the neighborhood kids. There's a ghost that, that chimes in and a serial killer. Um, lots of people have opinions about this family that moved in and the cathedral that is being built. Um, you know, like who is his wife? His wife looks too young for him. Those two boys don't look like they're her sons. Like they just gossip, gossip, gossip. Um, but it's actually, uh, and because I don't live in Cuba, I have to read these things after, um, it, apparently a lot of social commentary on what is taking place in Cuba today, but I also enjoyed it not knowing that it's just a very darkly comedic novel, um, about modern Cuba, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, Yos, uh, uh, like Planet for Rent, you know, I, I loved his stuff, um, and like Fever Dream, even when you don't quite know the politics behind what they are writing, it's still an enjoyable novel, but then you can go and look it up and learn these things and it's even better. Um, and it's just, it's really fun. I really enjoyed it. It's The Black Cathedral by Marcial Gala, translated by Anna Kushner. All right. My last pick this week is Long Bright River by Liz Moore. Uh, this is a big suspenseful novel that you will tear through very quickly. And I'm not going to say too much about it because I don't want to spoil things. It's um, it's set in Philadelphia in a neighborhood that is being heavily impacted by the opioid crisis. The main character is a woman named Mickey, who is a police officer, and her beat is in this neighborhood. Mickey's sister, Casey, is struggling with opioid addiction, and the two have basically lost touch. But Mickey sometimes sees Casey out on the streets when she's on her patrol. There are a string of murders happening in Mickey's area in her district, and she's investigating. And of course, every time she hears that there is a body or she's going to investigate, she's worried that she's going to like turn the corner and it's going to be her sister and it's going to be too late. Um, the book alternates between present day as Mickey is on patrol and living her life, trying to deal with understanding what's happening uh, in her district, wrestling just with the complexities and the real human difficulty of watching other people experience addiction up close in this way. Um, and then also, you know, the experience of being a police officer and seeing murder and death so up close. And the other parts of the book, um, it bounces back to Mickey and Casey's childhood uh, and like childhood and adolescence. And we see their relationship and how uh, this rift grows between them and how they end up going in such opposite directions. Um, it moves really quickly. The writing is really wonderful. Um, 
it's I think this is the first novel that I have read that tackles uh, the opioid crisis and that does it to do it through a genre lens with suspense, I think is a really interesting choice. This is on a bunch of the lists for most anticipated books of 2020. I think there's going to be a lot of interesting discussion around it. Um, it's moving, it takes on an important issue. And um, yeah, definitely worth tucking in for uh, like you will probably read this in one or two days if you just sit down because it doesn't want to let you go. Uh, so that's Long Bright River by Liz Moore. Liz Moore is so great. I've never read anything of hers. This is a good you introduction. Have? No. Oh, I thought you read The Unseen World. I'm I'm forgetting. Did I? She wrote The Unseen World and she wrote Heft. I mean, I know I did, but like I, for some reason I thought you had too, but she's just amazing. Now I have to Google and see if I No, I haven't read that. Oh, well, there you go. You have that to look forward to because she's incredible. There are so many good books coming out this year. I could not be more excited if I swallowed a cat and broke out in kitten. <laughs> I am just so thrilled. And before we talk about what we're going to read next, I just want to mention very quickly a few sequels that are coming out today because there are so many and we don't often talk about sequels because that would mean you have to read the first book. We don't want to give away spoilers, blah, blah, blah. Um, but uh, first of all, The Queen of Nothing by Holly Black was supposed to come out today, but it got moved to November. So if that was something you've been waiting for, congratulations. It's out now and has been out. Um, so Come Tumbling Down, the new book in The Wayward Children by Shannon McGuire is out. The new Shadow Shaper book is out, Legacy, the from the Shadow Shaper series from Daniel Jose Older. The City of Stone and Silence from the Wells of Sorcery Trilogy by Django Wexler is out. The new sequel to The Hazelwood, which I've been so excited about, uh, is out. It's called The Night Country. That is by Melissa Albert. The uh, I talked about The Way of Flesh, The Way of All Flesh, uh, on the show before by Ambrose Perry. The sequel to that, called The Art of Dying, is now out. There is The Heart, A Heart So Fierce and Broken by Bridget Kemmerer, which is from the Curse Breaker series. And The Secret Chapter, which is the next book in Genevieve Cogman's Invisible Library series. Lots of amazing sequels out today. So I just wanted to give them a little bump. So now, those are our new books. What are you going to read next? Well, since we are recording this at the end of December, and I am still in my catching up on things I missed earlier this year reading phase, I have two up next for this weekend. I know you're going to be really excited for this first one. I am so ashamed that I haven't gotten to it yet. It's On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean Vuong. I did not get to it earlier this year. I'm so, so excited to read it. Uh, and then after that, I'm going to pick up Wild Game by Adrian Broger, which is a memoir that I've just heard a ton about, but I have, well, I've heard a ton about how it's amazing, and I I've managed to avoid knowing any of the details, which is my favorite way to go into a book. So I'm excited to get to both of those. They're both very excellent, but don't be ashamed that you haven't gotten it. I mean, <laughs> well, you know that feeling like, of like, this was one of those yeah. great books of the year, and I believe that it was one of the great books of the year, and I just really want to get there and get in on it. Yeah. But we're all, we're here like all about busting up the shame, you know, so don't That's be true. Thank you. I am going to read The Vanishing Haft. The Vanishing Haft? <laughs> the Vanishing Half. I can't talk today. <laughs> By Britt Bennett, uh, author of The Mothers. This is her new one. We've been waiting a long time for this. It sounds kind of like a sort of 21st century passing by Nella Larson. It is about twin sisters uh, who grew up uh, inseparable, and when they are 16, they run away from home, and now 10 years later, one lives with her daughter in the same town that she tried to leave, and the other uh, passes for white and has a white husband who does not know anything about her past. Wow. Um, it sounds amazing. And I loved The Mothers, as did many people. So When does that one come out? This. It doesn't come out until June. I'm very Whew. sorry. All right, well, <laughs> something to look forward sorry, to. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, but, yeah, 
Lots of things to look forward to. So that is it for today. Thank you to our sponsors. If you want to reach us, you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com or find us online. I am Friends and Comes Alive on Instagram and Rebecca is Rebecca Shinsky. That is S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. And if you want to give us a treat, you can leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. All right. Great. First show. First show. All right. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I got a super excited. In the meantime. (laughs) In the meantime. Happy happy reading. reading.